Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week we demystify digital marketing and help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. We'll cover the right plan to get your amazing business growing online, along with tips and tricks from our upcoming playbook, as well as insights from successful people in the industry. If you're a B2B business and would like to see your marketing work for you, then this is the podcast for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, with the right plan, anyone can grow their business online. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Kevin, 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 did you see the news about Facebook? Which news was that? Well, there's a couple of different parts, isn't there? There's the whole metaverse thing, which quite frankly is just too far in the future for us to talk about or worry about, I think, Kevin. (laughs) The other part I was more interested in was how you could start to charge a subscription for someone being a member to your group. That seems like a money grab, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't love it. And I don't love it because you know I'm a Facebook fiend. I've spoken about it many, many times on this podcast. Like Facebook groups are where the magic happens. Uh, Did I ever tell you that story about my grandma and about how when we got her, her first iPad, she was 80 years old and she'd like never used a computer before. She got an iPad. She set herself up on Facebook. She's a smart lady, obviously. Set herself up on Facebook, ended up joining a group called Outlander Fans. And for people who don't know, Outlander was a series of books that was written over the last 20 or 30 years. My grandma had read them in isolation on her own 20, 30 years ago, and then found a Facebook group dedicated to these books. Uh, And she must have found it at least five years ago on Facebook. My grandma joined the group. Did I tell you what happened, Kevin? No, I don't think you have. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. So he's 80-year-old grandma joining a Facebook group. She becomes like a top contributor within this group that's discussing everything's Outlander to do with the book. They had a new TV show coming out, et cetera, et cetera. It was a group of super fans, which is what I love. They consume everything Outlander. There's people talking on it all day. And what they actually did was they organized a trip to Scotland together. Uh, as a Facebook group, a bunch of people who had never met each other organized a trip to Scotland. And my grandfather, sorry, my grandmother at the age of, she would have been 81 or 82 at this stage, she got on a plane with a bunch of random people 
not just from Australia, but from like the US, the UK to meet somewhere in Scotland and go on essentially an outlander tour of Scotland. Wow. To me, that is just one of the most wonderful things about Facebook and the internet and groups. I I think that's so incredible. When Facebook came out and they said they're going to enable the group organizers to start charging, I mean, power to you. I think you should be able to charge and earn some kind of income if you've organized a super passionate group. But I would hate for that to be to the exclusion of people like my grandma. You know, maybe my grandma might not have paid the $4.99 a month to join a group like this and then miss out on one of the greatest experiences of her last 20 or 30 years. That would be a shame. And your grandma is definitely ahead of the times. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a cool cat grandma. She's, uh, well, yeah, yeah, actually. You know, she's a Greek, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Greek grandma. But yeah, I think that's just something that came to my mind when I saw uh, Facebook talking about adding those subscriptions and, uh, or the ability to charge for access to these groups. Well, let's hope that it doesn't kill off that community or what little community there is on Facebook these days. I think it's still going strong, but I certainly hope that it won't be a detriment. I think so. But Kev, can you imagine if you were building an income through a group on Facebook and you relied on Facebook to help you administrate that group? Like we know what it's like being advertisers on the platform. How terrible is the support you get? Yeah, that's definitely a big concern. I think the support we as advertisers get is pretty poor. It is getting better for small businesses consistently advertising on there, but even with some of the most basic questions, the support team doesn't isn't always there for you. And you really have to have an account manager to have a very productive interaction with the Facebook team. That's right. And even then, it's not always overly productive because there's only so much that's in the account manager's control. Even though we're a reasonably ad- big advertiser on Facebook for, for some of my clients. We still don't get that much attention. Things don't get solved. What on earth is the support going to be like for these <laughs> very small groups, which are taking like, you know, a decent but very small amount of money? And if something happens to their group, if something breaks, which it always does on Facebook, are they going to be there to help them out? Probably not. No, you've got a good point there, George, and hopefully they've done a decent amount of testing before they start rolling this out. That's right. And these are some of the issues that might tempt you into getting some external help, which is the topic of today's conversation, Kevin, is are you ready for an agency? As always, George, I'm impressed by your segue skills. And you are right. The question this week we are answering is, am I ready for an agency? We should note at this point that When we talk about an agency during this episode, we're talking about a digital marketing agency focused on things like paid search, paid advertising, and SEO. We're not talking about things like brand and creative agencies here. This is a topic I think is really interesting to discuss, Kevin. Quite often, we have people coming to us and asking to use our services. Very often, we're the ones who actually say, sorry, I don't think that we're the right fit for you at this point in time for your business. So the typical story is clients can come to us and they're still quite early on in their journey and they think that they need an agency to help them get online. But that's just not the case, is it? No, I think it's something that you would experience a lot on agency side. It's certainly something that I've experienced in terms of people who I work with or know what I do for a living and reaching out for some advice now that I'm in-house. 
as well as when we were both agency side, that common question always comes up. When do I get that external help? Should I do that or should I hire somebody in to do that within my business? And a lot of times, as you said, the, we think they're just too early to have that external help from an agency and or having someone internally to run that within. And the reason why is when you're early on in the journey, you're really testing your business model. You're testing whether your products and services work and whether there's a fit and a demand for the way that you've set that product or service up. So you should really have a lot of that already in place and be pretty certain that you would be making money and recurring revenue already before trying to scale that with an agency or an internal hire. It can be a waste of time, particularly near the beginning, if not a big waste of money, which is not what a fledgling business needs. Any agency will need some foundations in place to really help the growth of that business. And you need to have time at the start to really test and improve your offering to the point where an agency can then step in and help you grow and scale that business. I think that's the key word there, Kevin, is scale. Agencies come in and they help amplify something that is already working. And that's very the very important part there is that you already have something that's working. You have revenue coming into the business and you do have some product market fit. And that applies with an internal hire as well, George. If someone's being hired in to do digital marketing specifically, that should really come a little later. If you're hiring a general marketing manager, that's a little different. They would look after a wide range of marketing materials. Uh, they work on things like messaging and branding that go well beyond what a traditional agency would look after or what a traditional in-house digital marketing manager would look after. That is a separate matter. But when you're considering or your marketing manager is considering or if you are a marketing manager in a small business and you're considering hiring an agency, then I guess there's a few questions that we would want you to ask yourselves before you start reaching out and considering hiring an agency. What are those questions that we'd ask, Kevin? I see them quite often, but I know that you have some very good insight into it as well. What, what are the, some of the main ones that you see come up? They really all center around this key concept of authenticity that we've talked about in the past, George. And we'll get onto the specific questions in a minute, but I just want to touch really quickly again on that pr key principle. It's a bit of a cliche, but it is important. And that's about matching your offline presence with your online presence. So we talked about it before in the context of having an online presence in terms of a website that reflects how professional and how much of an expert you are offline. And this needs to come from you. So in order to really showcase that expertise, that authenticity of the brand, it needs to come from you and not a freelancer or an agency. Why we say it needs to come from you is because only you really know that message best. What's the why of your business? What are you trying to achieve with your business? What's a differentiator for you versus other people in the same space? And why should your users buy from you rather than those competitors? It's much easier for you or someone within your business to distill those answers for those key questions and then effectively communicate them. But it's much harder for an external party like an agency to get that right. So once that message is out there, then you can look to digital and you can look to an agency or an agency like service to help get that message out. And that's what George is talking about. Once you have that authenticity, that message out, 
those answers to the important questions behind your business out that we've talked about in previous episodes, then you can hire an agency to come in and help amplify the reach of that message, the performance behind that message and getting it towards sales. But before that, all that groundwork of getting that message right and making sure that message is authentic, that needs to be done generally in-house. That message has to come internally and people often look externally to freelancers or agencies to try and do this for them because it does seem quite hard and it does seem quite intimidating. But if you're the person who's in that company, then you should know that why. And if you don't know that why, then you should work that out before paying someone externally to amplify that message because that message isn't going to work with that market or just not resonate because you don't have a proper why. I think if you also just think about it from a a practical point of view, no one cares about your company and your messaging more than you. If you're going to outsource this to an agency or a freelancer to do something so critical, like think about the, the messaging and your product market fit, they're people who have to have at least four or five clients going at one time just to make a living. An agency is going to need that to survive. A freelancer is going to need that to survive. They're not going to be able to take the time to understand you, your product, your business, and the market to deliver that message in a way that is powerful enough. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, just think of it like this. That business is your baby. That business, uh, if you work in a business, that's what you work and breathe every day. Anyone coming in externally at best is going to match that, but they're only going to have, as George said, a quarter or a fifth of the time that you have to work on improving that message to make sure that that's tailored to your audience. And no one coming from an agency perspective is going to have the same understanding as you of your audience, or they really shouldn't. You should have a much better understanding of what your audience needs, what their pain points are, and how you answer those pain points. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, It's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. So you don't want to outsource to a nanny then? Is that what you're saying, Kevin? If you've got a baby, you want to do all the parenting yourself, at least in those formative years, maybe. I mean, it depends (laughs) on what message you're trying to get to the baby. (laughs) I guess before they have much of a memory, you probably don't need to do too much uh, yourself. That's actually controversial. No, I think that's a really, really good point. A friend of mine, he had a child recently and he said in the first six weeks, he said it was so strange. There was just this thing around that like needed me. And he was like, to be honest, I didn't really care about it. (laughs) He's like, I just felt no sense of attachment to it. And he couldn't really explain why. 
you know, the baby fortunately isn't going to remember that. It, finally, the baby started recognizing him and loving him unconditionally, I guess. And he said, well, that was kind of cool. And now he's attached to the baby as you would hope to be. But for that first six weeks, that baby is not going to remember anyway. So no, no harm done. The baby survived. I don't know how I'm going to tie this back to what we were talking about. <laughs> but hopefully the listeners enjoyed me taking them on that journey. I'm sure the listeners are glad to hear that that baby has uh, come under the It survived. Heart, it survived, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Circling back, as we were saying before, making sure that the message and the foundations for your business are in place and have been put in place by yourself is really important. To help you figure out whether you're then ready for an agency and whether you have got your messages and basics lined up and in a row and ready to be pushed out by an agency, we've come up with a bit of a framework or a set of questions within a framework to help you figure that out. This is very typical, both B2B Playbook and Kevin is having a nice framework for our users to work through, a beautiful, simple three-part framework. What's the what's the first part, Kev? Yeah, I, I couldn't leave the list of questions as is. Had to divide them up somehow. Yeah, no, it's nice and organized. I like it. So the three parts are foundations. There's a set of questions around whether your foundations are right. Then there's a set of questions around whether you have your expert positioning in place with the content that you're putting out. And finally, whether you've done some light testing yourself with some of the pay channels that amplify that content's reach. And we'll get into a little bit about the specifics of that during this episode, but just as a frontline of that, that last part, it doesn't, need, it doesn't mean that you need to do everything yourself or be an expert in that space, but at least have a general understanding and play with the tools available and have that overarching understanding of what's involved with the pay channels so that when you do bring in an agency, you're not going to be taken advantage of and you will understand what you're looking for and what that agency should be helping you deliver. All right, let's kick into some of the foundational questions. So that first part, as I said just now, is foundational questions. And the first one is, are you clear on what you're selling and can you say that in one sentence? And we're not just putting that second part of the question in as a bit of a tester that doesn't really mean anything. We really want you to be able to say in one sentence what you're selling and what your business does. It might surprise some of our listeners, but George and I both have had experiences where potential clients or people looking to build a business come to us in the past not knowing what they're actually selling. On a personal level, we just don't feel right about charging someone when they're figuring out what their business actually is. And even being there while they're working out how that business will work and building out that business from the ground up, it's just too early for a digital marketing agency in any capacity to help, whether that's as a consultant, as an agency, or as an in-house resource. Until there is some consistent revenue coming through the business, it doesn't make sense to approach an agency at that stage. I think that's also part of what motivated us to get something like the B2B playbook together. Yes, it has concepts that apply to marketing teams, marketing managers, people who are well down the track, but also those who are just getting started. And I would like to think that if I were in a business owner's shoes, rather than grabbing an agency to help out at that stage where you don't have a lot of recurring revenue, if you're going to spend some money hire someone junior internally to work for you and get them to work through something like the B2B playbook. Okay, Kevin, so what is the next question that someone should be asking themselves as a part of building their foundations? The next question is, are you building a personal brand or a business brand? A personal brand is where you have your face as the face of your business. 
The positive to that is that it's easier to build the authenticity we we're talking about earlier, and it makes it easier for you to communicate your value add. It gives you a lot more cut through because people can relate to you as a person rather than just a brand without a face to it. But it's also harder to get the business to scale beyond you as that business then grows and starts to speed up in its growth. So if a brand is tied to you personally, it's not feasible for you just to be the face of all the marketing material alone. That might have worked if you were a freelancer and you were dealing with a handful of clients. But once you have a few hires in and you're starting to go to different regions of the world, it definitely doesn't translate for you to be the brand and to be the face of the business everywhere. My thinking has actually evolved on this one a little bit recently, Kevin. I think that the brands that do the best are actually a hybrid of the two. So inevitably, when you start out as a business, there is going to be an element of personal brand building. You're the founder, you're the CEO, you're the one who's out there hitting the pavement, getting clients to begin with. From that point, a lot of companies, once they start scaling, they look at, well, how can I stop associating all the goodwill with the brand with the CEO? Because we have more employees, as you said, it doesn't scale as much. I think the companies that are actually doing really well now and will continue to do really well in the next five years is the ones who enable their employees to take on the same sort of advocacy role and the same sort of influencer role that that initial founder did, giving them the tools and the means and the support to go ahead and do that. I would generally tend to agree with that sentiment. I think it's also a matter of the business stage that you're at. When they're at a certain size, it really needs to be based on the business name so that anyone coming in, any new person taking on high-level roles within that business can have that same level of credibility from a brand attached to their name and for them to take on that authentic, personable role of being visible for the business. But you know, when they leave, as businesses grow and they're substituted in for somebody else, that brand can't afford to lose all that credibility with the person exiting. So, you know, at a later stage, definitely, I think it needs to move towards a more business name centric model. But at the beginning, I think you're right. It, it should start with that authenticity from an individual. But at the beginning, I do agree that it needs to be a brand that's attached to a person that's attached to their authentic selves. And then over time, that starts to shift to other people within the business who are higher up in that business and then more and more into that business name. For any employee, as they're building that personal brand, uh, it makes sense to then tie it back to the business that they're working for if that's you know the core reason that they're building that personal brand. Even if they do leave a lot of that goodwill and equity they built in the brand doesn't necessarily leave just because that employee has left and moved on. And I think these companies are, are far better off enabling their employees to build those personal brands. And while they're doing that, allow them to attribute that, that equity back into their brand and not be so worried about them when they leave and taking all these clients with them. That's a little about that dichotomy between personal and business brand listeners. What we really want you to focus in on is what category do you fall into and whether you should make a shift in your business model to improve the growth potentials of it at whatever stage you might be in. Once you have a clear idea on which bucket that you fall into, it does change how you build your comms, your content going forward. And it's something that you should be clear on and be communicating to any agency that comes on board 
and how you want them to voice your promotional activity. So if you're not clear on this, you probably aren't ready to hire an agency anyways. That's a great point, Kev. You need to have that distinction worked out before you employ someone because they need to know what it is that they're amplifying. Okay, see the next question that you've got down here is, do you have somewhere to send online traffic to, like a website? Yes, George, we'll have someone come in and say, hey, I want to run some digital activity to drive growth in my business. And we say, great, where would you like us to drive that traffic to? And they say, oh, I don't have a website yet. And the conversation comes to a grinding halt at that point, and we have to refer them off to somebody who might be able to help them do their website or really just task them with that objective of getting a website up with a clear brand first before any type of agency work can be done to help them along. Again, it's one of those times where it's just too early for an agency to be involved. Unless you're hiring someone to build that website for you, an agency is not going to be able to push traffic that they can generate and help you position yourself as an expert online or as the person to reach out to for a particular service. You need to have that website ready and you need to have done some fine tuning to the website already and then they can help you make it better and scale that. As we're talking in a B2B context, it really needs to be the place where you host your content as well to help you establish your expert standing. So without a website, it really is too early for an agency to come in and help you. That one does happen a little bit more often than you would think, Kevin. I'm not bringing this up to make fun of anyone, absolutely. Like I just think that for some reason, marketing is still so confusing for people and there's just really no clear path and no clear journey that people need to take to get from A to Z in marketing, which again is what the B2B playbook is about. So yes, absolutely. The website is definitely something you need in place before having an agency. Yeah, I think the analogy here is if you were running a store, a physical store, you wouldn't do that without a shop front, without some advertising at the front of that shop where people can come to from your advertising. So your website is the equivalent to that in a digital sense. It's important to call out here, George, I think that where we've seen a business owner not be too involved in the building of their website, there generally comes a disconnect between the vision of the brand that that owner has and what is then on the website. I think it, it makes sense for the owners to be involved because they're the ones who know who their dream customer is best and how to position their product best, what language it is that their dream customers use and what services it is that they're after. They understand them best and which information is more important to them and should be therefore more visible in certain areas. Exactly as George said there, really the owner or the marketing manager should be involved in the building of that website and be closely monitoring what's happening with the look and feel of the website and the message that's actually on the website and who that's actually speaking to. Then the next question is a lot more pragmatic than the other ones that have come before in the foundations part. It's, do I have a logo, brand guidelines, and a domain name? Wow. Well, I've seen companies who have had $40, $50 million in revenue for plus, and they don't have all of these things. I mean, they have the domain name. I think most will have that, but they weren't really sure on their logo still. They didn't have brand guidelines in place, and that is something that just had to get put in place first before you do any kind of marketing activity after. At the very basic level, it's confusing for the consumers who could potentially be buying from you. It adds a level of complexity to your business and business operations that really doesn't need to be there. Your marketing team would need to constantly be confirming 
what is a right approach, what's acceptable for the brand. The product team who's building the website or the product and services, they might have a hard time figuring out what to include in the product, what to prioritize. So if you have some of these things in place, it makes the rest of the process a lot simpler. So again, marketing agencies are about helping you scale, scaling whatever it is that you have already. So if what you have is confusing messaging or mixed messaging, then that's what's going to get scaled. And that's not necessarily going to work for your customers because you have a mixture of messaging. Yeah, just back on the customer's vantage point as well, George. You can imagine you wouldn't really buy from a stranger or strange brand without digging into who they are first and finding out a little bit more about them, even if it's just reading some Google reviews to make sure that they're a legitimate business and they're around. They have that same look and feel about them across the various online spaces they appear in. That's a first surefire sign that that's a legitimate business. They have been able to invest enough to make their brand look consistent across different platforms and invest in maintaining their presence across those different platforms. That's something that applies to any business looking to get online. And the domain name is also important. You might not think it's that important in this day and age and people understand if it comes from a domain name that's a little different from your brand, Um, but it still goes a long way to making sure that your site and your emails come from the one domain name that you own. Aside from the fact that it's great for branding, it's great for building some of that assurance to the user, your legitimate brand, It's also a great way to avoid some of those common stories we hear about businesses hitting legal trouble down the track because they don't own the domain name or the business name that they're operating under. Those kind of things are always hard to fix and it's always better to avoid them as early as possible. Yes, and I should throw in again, Kevin, nothing that we discuss here warrants legal advice. You and I were lawyers in a former life and foolishly keep keeping our practicing certificates. I think mine's mostly to keep dad happy. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why you're keeping yours. (laughs) But yes, listeners, this is not legal advice. Same reason, George. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, Kevin. There's definitely a lot of value in having a very closely aligned brand name and domain name. It helps a long way when it comes to trust. One of the first things I look at whenever I go and purchase something from a website and I go to the checkout page is I go, is this still the same domain name here? And if it is, I'm pretty confident that I'm not getting scammed. All righty, George. So that's the questions for the foundations part. Which is, so that was the first part of our three-part framework, wasn't it, Kevin? Just checking in. That's it. The questions that you, you need to ask yourself when thinking about whether or not you should hire an agency, they were the foundational questions. Now, what's the second part, the second of three parts, Kev? Second of three parts is a set of questions around whether you've positioned yourself as an expert with your content. This is really the way to showcase what your business is. You aren't an expert in some way. You need to communicate that effectively online in order to establish your B2B business. And so the question that you should ask yourself here is, am I hosting content online that positions me or the company that I work in as the expert in the space that we operate in? It's a really simple concept that I feel people are really lagging behind. And for some reason, it's just not as obvious as it should be. For a B2B business in the offline world, your whole job is to show you are the expert for something in particular. 
it's bigger in the B2B world than it is in the B2C world because transactions are lower, the amount people are spending are higher. So people want to make sure that you are the right person and the contract's normally longer. So they want to make sure you're the right person before they commit to you. So you spend a lot of time and money representing yourself as the expert in the offline world. And for some reason, a lot of businesses haven't transferred that concept into the online world. I totally agree, George. It's a concept that's been harped on about by numerous experts in the space who really know what they're talking about. We've talked about a lot of people like Russell Brunson with his book, Expert Secrets, The Broomerang Effect by Tim Reed, even Seth Godin in a lot of his books. This is the concept that people keep coming back to is showing that you're the expert by the content that you put out. Just to simplify that one step further, Kevin, people might think, well, what just showing my expertise mean? Well, think about what it is that your dream customer wants and help them get that. Yeah, and showing them that you're the expert in that domain and you're selling your expertise. That's right. But just by helping them with the questions that they have uh, related to your industry, you are showing off your expertise. But you're not doing it from the angle of shouting at everyone about how fantastic you are. You should instead be doing it from the angle of service and you're serving them and their needs and helping them get to where they want to go. And by doing that, you're actually showing them that you're an expert and how great you are. Another way to help you get into that mindset of helping your customers is just to think, if I were them, what is the content that I would want to read to help me in that process of whatever journey they're on? Then talking about those pain points. It's a concept that we've spoken about in quite a few of our previous podcast episodes. I can't recall them off the top of my head, Kevin. I might uh, leave you to link them in the show notes uh, where we discuss strategies on how to show you're the expert online. Hey, listeners, remember that the content is the way to get there. That's all we're saying here. Although it may be daunting to begin with, thinking about how much content you need to put out, it can be easy and it can be fun and it'll get easier with practice. You're probably already doing things in your business without thinking about it. And it's just a matter of documenting those little things that you think your customers might find helpful as well. And then putting that into a just and then putting that into a digestible format online so that they can find it for themselves. I would strongly encourage our listeners, if you're in that space, to really have a look at what you're already doing in your business and how you can turn that into content online without too much work to begin with. Get into that groove of things as George and I do in this podcast and what we try and do day to day. You'll be surprised at how easy it is to then keep that going. We're going to cover that in future episodes, aren't we, Kevin? I mean, we're just a two-man band doing this in our spare hours and we pump out a fair bit of content and it's because we have systems and processes around it. And it'd be great to share that with our listeners so they can do the same. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely be sharing our learnings ourselves along the way. I think a related question that our listeners might be asking is, okay, maybe I put out some content, but how much content is enough for me to kind of overcome this hurdle before considering an agency? I don't want that question to be lost in the midst of everything. That is another question you should be asking yourself in this content part of uh, answering whether you're ready for an agency. In my experience, two to four pieces of quality content a month is a good starting point for B2B businesses. I think you can obviously repurpose a lot of that into smaller parts and do things like sharing that on LinkedIn. You can even do a quick summary of a key concept or question from that bigger piece of content and post that as a LinkedIn question or post to start the conversation. At the start, it's really just about getting into the rhythm of producing content. 
and not worry too much about pushing it out straight away or even building a lot of momentum behind your following. It's just about getting into the groove of things. And I think for most people, two to four pieces of content, depending on how much time you have, is a great way to getting into that habit and building that habit of content production. I think naturally, as you start to see results come in over time of two, three months, you'll naturally be encouraged to produce more where you can. And then it becomes quite natural for you to ramp up or slow down that pace as you see fit. Repurposing is the key word there. I'm going to take this podcast, I'm going to turn that into an article which addresses the same thing. And then I'm going to take the questions that you've listed here and I can turn it into a quiz. And then all of a sudden we've got a quiz with, you know, the 10, 15 questions you need to ask yourself to see if you're ready to hire an agency yet. So yeah, you can normally just start with one longer format piece of content and then repurpose it in a number of different ways. And once you get into the groove, life gets a lot easier. Yeah, and I think, you know, for those listeners who are maybe feeling a little hesitant about repeating yourselves, remember that as a general exercise in branding, you need to see a message six to eight times to really have it sink in in any sort of way for you to be able to recall that message itself, let alone understand the business behind the brand and what they do. So don't worry too much about repeating yourself because... Your listeners are passive, your your viewers are passive, the people interacting with your brand really have to see your brand so many times before they even take that first step of engaging with a post or coming to your website. So don't worry too much about repeating yourself, particularly at the beginning. But you know, at a certain point, you get so sick of saying the same stuff that you'll want to add some variety to it <laughs> and then you can naturally build on that. But I think for most people, repeating yourself is not something they're in danger of doing too much. As my friend James always tells me, when people speak, the other person is generally half listening only. So <laughs> that's probably why it takes at least a couple of goes for a message to get through. Yeah, half is probably a good, good estimate at best. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, that wraps up the second part of the framework, which was positioning yourself as, as an expert with content. What's the third part of the framework that you need to use so you can realize if you're ready for an agency or not? So this one is about testing the pay channels and pushing out your content. So you've, at this point, answered all the previous questions about setting up the foundations of business, understanding what it is that you're offering and why people should buy from you. And you're starting to build some momentum behind that with your content and getting your name out there. This is the point where you should start to test some of those pay channels to push out your content yourself. Now using paid advertising to push your expert content to relevant audiences really only involves one question. Is it worth your time to learn and work out all the paid advertising yourself? Or is it better if you spend your time delivering more value to your business, doing other things within your business and outsourcing the advertising to an agency? And this comes down to a few factors that's specific to your business or the business that you work in and its specific circumstances and what other things you and other people in your business are doing. It's a difficult question that we can't really answer for you because it is so dependent on where your business is at. And from what we've seen from past clients, there's been mixed results. Some have done it reasonably well and had some success and others, you know, haven't done it as well. I think you're right, Kevin. It, it is personal. I think our suggestion here then is you should have a look around what's available in terms of the channels that you can use to push out your content. 
and maybe dip your toes into it yourself and figuring out what are the basic mechanics of doing certain things. And if you have the resource for it, you can try and get someone more junior or new in your business to have a go at exploring it for you. It's worth them or yourself giving it a crack a few months by yourself. If you don't get any good results within those few months, then maybe it's time to reach out and see if an agency can help you get the most out of those channels. Hopefully the B2B playbook can become a resource for you as well as you start to test out some of these ideas and we cover how to test some of these paid channels in future episodes as well. I think some of our listeners might run into an issue where they are at that earlier stage and they try and test some of these channels before. And we've noted if you go to the more mature ones, Facebook, Instagram, or Google ads, yes, it's much easier to jump onto these platforms and get things running without an agency to help you out. But because it's easier for everyone else, the competition's gone up on these platforms. It's more expensive to drive traffic on those platforms and get results on them. And then you can have results that are disheartening. And so there we would recommend you testing maybe some of the lesser known channels or the emerging channels. Things like TikTok is already starting to get past that stage, but in the early days, that was a good one to go after. And working with micro-influencers is another one that's becoming more and more popular. That's a really good point. It's another way for people to think about using advertising budget is that you don't have to give it to Facebook and Instagram and Google. You can use influencers in your space. Influencers aren't just reserved for e-commerce brands on Instagram. Uh, It's actually incredibly powerful on business-to-business platforms like LinkedIn too. And just building on that previous point I made before about these more mature platforms being expensive and difficult to show a good bottom line result from, that only means it's more important for you to have solid recurring revenue before testing out these platforms. Because you don't want to be investing money into something that's already going to be expensive and competitive if you don't have that solid base of recurring revenue. The way that people are using these more mature platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Google now is you might only break even when you win that first customer. But you know that because you've acquired them there and you know that they're going to be with you for another couple of years based on their lifetime value, it made sense to go after them. Or maybe you will continue to break even with them until you upsell them at a future point. It's something that Russell Brunson talks about a fair amount is that it's hard to make money off your first funnel now. And it's often on these channels where people start seeing the return on their second, third, fourth funnels after someone becomes a client. Yeah, I think the bottom line there is that it should never be a big drag on your bottom line. That performance and and paid advertising should never be drag on your business profitability that is a much more simple way of saying that thank you kevin all right george so i guess the key point here for this episode is whether you're ready for an agency comes down to whether you have the foundations of your business in place if you've already established yourself as an expert with the content that you're building and putting out there and you have a steady base to amplify and scale your business through paid advertising and it is just an amplification tool At that point, when you've got all those ducks lined up in a row, then you may be ready for a digital marketing agency to come in and help you scale. That's a great summary, Kev, and I hope that our listeners did get some value out of today. I think agencies typically try and push them or push people to come on a little bit early, and hopefully this has given people a great framework to apply and see if they're ready for an agency or not. I think a lot of agencies, as you said there, George, even though they might not actively push you towards something that you might not need, they might simply just not be clear on what you need. 
and you're not at the stage where they're the right people to help you. So hopefully some of these initial questions will help guide you in making sure that you're ready when you get to a stage where you're considering an agency so that you can get the most out of these agencies. There are examples and a lot of examples of really good agencies out there who can help scale a business, who do the right thing by their clients, but they still need you to come to the party with a lot of these things ready. Absolutely. If you have these foundations in place, then an agency is going to be able to do a much better job for you. All right, Kevin, what's on for us next week? You are the organizer. You do the content calendar for us. What have we got next week? Oh, I think you're selling yourself a little short, George. (laughs) It's a very special episode for us and another one that steps outside of our framework where we interview one of our dear friends who is someone who's very experienced in the sort of things that we've been talking about on this podcast and someone who is in fact an in-house B2B marketing manager themselves. You'll hear firsthand about some of the challenges that she's faced and what are some of the creative things that have really helped that B2B business grow. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope that this can become like a regular segment where we get B2B owners or B2B managers or people in marketing on the show regularly. I think that will provide great insight to our listeners. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really rewarding experience for us as well to learn from some of these amazing experts in the fields and people working in this space. And who knows, George, maybe there's a few more people that would want to talk to us. You know where I stand on that, Kevin. Anyone who's willing to talk to me, I'll listen. (laughs) All right, listeners, as always, you can find links to everything we've discussed in the show notes and we'll chat to you next week. Thank you, Kev, and thank you, listeners. Have a good one. A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook, the easier way to champion your business online.